Week four for the Big 12 Conference is in the books, and we're here to recap it. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. The website, of course, heartlandcollegesports.com. It is great to be with you as we look back on another pretty wild week in the Big 12 Conference. You think about it, you got a couple of games decided by five points, maybe some surprises, some upsets for some of you, and it was just a, a really fun week to be sitting there for 12 hours watching the Big 12 schedule and conference unfold. And we'll take these games in order, as we always do, and look back on the weekend that was uh, for this league. And we hope that if you're on the podcast, you'll leave us a rating and a review. And we've got a free Heartland College Sports koozie for you when you leave ratings and reviews and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I see the Baylor fans are already in full force. You guys want to shove it to me and shove it on me and stick it to me, and I am totally fine with that. All right, the mea culpa is coming. I promise you the Baylor mea culpa is coming here on this show, but I've got to start in order. All right, we're going to start in order, and we're going to roll with Texas smoking Texas Tech, 70-35. to 35. Uh, I felt very good about Texas in this game. I didn't have a great week for the picks against the spread, but this was one of the games that I felt really good about because I thought the Texas Tech rushing defense that uh, you looked at and you said on paper, wow, they're giving up 54 yards per game. That was fraudulent based on who they had played. They had not seen a player like Bijan Robinson. And Texas rushed for 336 yards in this game. Six and a half yards per carry. Bijan Robinson himself, three, 137 yards on the afternoon. And they just lit things up. By the way, Casey Thompson... At quarterback, I don't see him giving this job up anytime soon. I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't expect to see Hudson Card anytime soon unless it's like yesterday in garbage time. And Xavier Worthy, if you're not watching a lot of Texas, Xavier Worthy may turn out to be one of the best wide receivers in this league, not just you know in the future, but this year. That's how good this dude has been. Three touchdown catches yesterday, 100 yards on the afternoon, and uh, Texas, I mean, if you can make a, a case right now, because I don't know what the answer is, that Texas is the best team in the Big 12. You can make a case for probably four teams right now in the conference that could, eh, probably three, where you could say this is the best team in the Big 12. Texas, you still would, would make an argument for Oklahoma. And then, you know, you'd look at the Baylor Bears, and you'd say, is that the best team in the Big 12 right now? You, you could make that case, no doubt in my mind. But for Texas Tech, I know they're 3-1, and one, but you give up 70 points to Texas. This is the kind of game, that is the kind of performance that takes Matt Wells' seat from warm to hot. Texas Tech alums don't like to give up 70 points to the Longhorns. And that's what you saw, of course, happen in this game on Saturday. And it was ugly. I mean, Texas could have racked up 80-something points if they wanted to. And that's where if you're a Longhorns fan or you're a Red Raiders fan, you say to yourself, boy, I, uh, I don't know what this season's going to look like. Like, find me with how stacked the Big 12 is. And, and I don't mean stacked. Like, I don't, I don't see a team that can play in a national championship game. I could see two seven and two teams playing for a big 12 title in December, but it's going to be rough and tumble. 
I mean, even Kansas is starting to look better. They they were leading Duke yesterday. I know Duke isn't any good, but this Big 12 is, there are no cakewalks here. And if Texas Tech goes 2-7 and seven in league play, I, what happens to Matt Wells? And I'll tell you right now, uh, when you look at yesterday, that's the kind of game that gets burnt into the minds of the big donors in Lubbock. As it should. It was a bad, bad performance. So Texas rolling Texas Tech 70 to 35. Speaking of bad performances, oof. Have you ever seen a TCU defense in recent memory get carved up like Gary Patterson's did yesterday against SMU? I know SMU has some good players on it. Like I I, I get it. I mean, Tanner Mordecai, former Oklahoma quarterback, good player. But when SMU is piling up almost seven yards per carry, as they did yesterday, seven yards per carry against TCU, one of notoriously the best defenses in the league, that's a really bad performance. I mean, it's an embarrassing performance in many ways is what it was for Gary Patterson and the TCU Horn Frogs. And by the way, Gary Patterson was right when he said, in the middle of the week at a press conference, if you're looking ahead to the Texas game, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said you're a fool. And I don't know if that's because he knew SMU was being underrated or if he knew he didn't have the horses that he thought he had to get this thing done. But uh, yeah, it was a terrible performance on defensively for TCU. I was so, so disappointed watching them. Offensively, I mean, Zach Evans is the real deal at running back. He didn't just get it done on the ground. He had it done through the air as well. He had a total of 183 yards on the day, 15 carries, 113 rushing yards, three catches, 70 yards, and a score as well. So he looked good, no doubt about it. Uh, The offense overall looked good, but Max Duggan was still shaky. Like, Max Duggan's not a guy that I'm looking at right now and saying, oh, yeah, that, that guy can lead me to a Big 12 title game. I'm not seeing that for Max Duggan. I'm just not. Um, And that's especially with where this defense is at for TCU. uh, That's serious cause for concern right now for the Horned Frogs, who have now lost two straight games to SMU for the first time since 1993. Remember, they didn't play last year. TCU had to back out of the game because of COVID issues, and then they never rescheduled it. So the last time they played was the SMU three-point win two years ago, off last year. And then SMU wins again this year. So they've won back-to-back iron skillets, first time in nearly 30 years. That's a huge letdown, huge letdown for TCU and Gary Patterson in this game. Um, Next up, before we get to Baylor, Iowa State, because I know a lot of people want to talk about that. Kansas and, and, and Duke didn't catch a lot of this game. ACC Network, KU obviously is winning this game at halftime. And then what happens? Uh... Duke goes off, a lot of it on the ground, with Mateo Durant and Gunnar Holmberg, excuse me, and Duke rushed for six touchdowns in this game. That's why I thought Duke would win this game fairly comfortably because of their ground attack and because I didn't think that KU could stop the Duke rushing attack in this one, and that's more or less what happened as the game progressed. But hey, KU's leading a Power 5 team at halftime. All right, like this is a, a program that is very slowly, but slowly getting better. And there is reason to be optimistic if you're a KU fan about what's to come under Lance Leipold. Doesn't mean you're winning any Big 12 games this year. Doesn't mean you're going any better than 1-11. and 11, But there's reason for optimism, no doubt about it, in this game. And that's what KU fans should take out of 
uh, Saturday against Duke. Now, before we get to Iowa State Baylor, let me remind you that our sponsors of this show are mybookie.com, where our promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, gets you a 100% sign-up bonus. That means you put in 100, 200, 300 bucks to bet on college games or, by the way, NFL games. It's NFL Sunday. All right, we're rocking and rolling here in a little bit for the NFL. Uh, they just double your money. There's no unlocking it. There's no get $10 every couple of bets you make. You put in 100, they're going to give you 100 or obviously more than that. They just double whatever you put in for your first time deposit. They've been great sponsors of this show for a several years now, and we love having them on as part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So go support those guys, and um, we appreciate you being a part of them and being a part of us. It's where I place all my bets on Saturday as well. So it's uh, great to have them on board each and every year. All right, uh, Baylor beating Iowa State as a seven-point underdog at home. I kept asking and saying about Baylor. It's, it was never an anti-Baylor thing. It was just, I want to see it to believe it. That's all I said about Baylor. I want to see it to believe it. And I saw it, and I believe it. All right? I mean, yes, Iowa State's got problems, and we can talk about that. But to me, this game is not about, oh, what's wrong with Iowa State? To me, this game is about, look at Baylor. All right? I mean, you guys that said and predicted Baylor was the real deal, Baylor was going to win this game, I know that's how fans get. But I'm telling you right now, that was a damn impressive performance on Saturday. Damn impressive performance on both sides of the ball. All right? Uh, By the way, Baylor got outgained by almost 200 yards, but Baylor did the things that you have to do to win the game. They held Iowa State to field goals, right? They got key first downs when they needed to. Guys stepped up, made big plays. They won the special teams battle. I mean, they did everything that you need to do to win the game, even if the box score doesn't look sexy. And that's supposed to be Iowa State, right? Iowa State's supposed to be the team that has the seniors on it all over the map, all over the field, both sides of the ball, that has been in Big 12 championship games. I mean, Baylor was in it two years ago, but most of these guys uh, have not been, obviously, to that level with this program. New head coach, new staff, the whole thing. Iowa State's supposed to be the team that is able to get outmanned, get outrushed, get outgained, yet wins the game. And Baylor did that on Saturday. And it's because of both sides of the ball, they won the line of scrimmage. Gary Bohannon didn't make any big-time mistakes against a really good defense in Iowa State. Kudos to him and the game plan they put together with Jeff Grimes. And, you know, you got guys in the backfield like like Abram Smith, who didn't do anything sexy necessarily, but that dude is a, is a pound-the-rock kind of guy. And that's what you saw from this Baylor team who got it done at home against, you know, the 14th ranked Iowa State Cyclones. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say Baylor's going to compete for a Big 12 title this year. I'm not there yet. But you can make that case. Absolutely, you can make that case. And they will be in the Big 12 race. They will be heard from. They will be part of this conversation come November. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And it's not that they didn't look good the first three games. It's just it was good. But who was it against? And I said, if Baylor comes out and they win this game on Saturday, I will eat all the crow in the world on Sunday. And that's exactly what I'm willing to do today. 
You guys in Waco should be thrilled. Baylor fans, Baylor alums should be so pumped about what Dave Aranda's got going on right now with this team in year two. Uh, There's a confidence there that I didn't expect to see against a top 15 Iowa State team. I mean, this was Gary Bohannon's biggest start of his career, right? I mean, he came into the Big 12 title game two years ago, but he wasn't wasn't starting that game and, and expectations were relatively low. This was the biggest game of his career. And he stepped up, got a top 15 win. They put together a great game plan, and they won the line of scrimmage. And that's the, uh, that's the takeaway here for Baylor. Uh, 4-0 now on the season. Now, for Iowa State, I mean, this is disappointment. Uh, this was a team that was talked about, rightfully so, as playing for a college football playoff this year. Iowa State's 2-2. Two two. This is a huge, huge let down of a start to the year for Matt Campbell's team. You want to look at the Bryce side? All right, we were talking about Iowa State being Big 12 contenders before the season, maybe college football playoff contenders. That's, that's fine. That's the bright side. But in the end, this team's inability to start strong is problematic. And when you have these lofty expectations, guess what? You've got to be able to like September counts. That's it. September games count. Yeah. Brocktober's cute. The team comes on late. That's all well and good. These games count. The Baylor of three, four years ago. All right. When your goal is to get to a bowl game and see progression throughout a season, I mean, th- this kind of formula works. Ah, we're going to struggle early on, but we're going to get better as the year progresses. That's not where this program is anymore. And that's all kudos to Matt Campbell, by the way, and what he and his staff have done. It's all credit to them in the world. But these slow starts, I mean, you bang your head against the wall if you're an Iowa State fan. And I thought that Brock Purdy, like you don't see it in the box score, but there were a couple of plays. There's one that really stands out in my mind in the second half. I don't know if it was third or fourth quarter, but Iowa State's driving. And Brock Purdy on a slant route or a crossing route misses Xavier Hutchinson for a first down that would have extended the drive and could have been a touchdown. They end up kicking a field goal. I mean, it's, it was a five-yard crossing route. And Brock Purdy missed him. He threw the ball late, threw it behind Hutchinson, and he couldn't grab it. I mean, if he puts that ball on the numbers where he's supposed to as a senior quarterback, that, that may go for six. If not, it sets up a first and goal. And the fact that Brock Purdy misses a throw like that on the road as a senior quarterback, I mean, that it just can't happen. It just cannot happen for Brock Purdy in that spot. And he's had a lot of issues like that this season. I, you know, we talk about Spencer Rattler's regression. I spent a lot of time last week talking about Spencer Rattler's regression. What about Brock Purdy's regression? I mean, seriously, he's got balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. Now, you can say that's on the offensive line, too. That's fine. Uh, that, we, we can do that and have that conversation. Who's really at fault? But there appears to be some regression here for, for Purdy as well. I mean, Brees, Brees Hall did his part, 27 carries, 190 yards, and two scores. He did his part. Uh, the passing game did not do their part. It just uh, it, it didn't, and that was a major disappointment to watch in this game as well. Major disappointment to watch. And it's um, it's got to be frustrating, by the way. If you're an Iowa State fan, you came in with huge expectations. Yes, you can still compete for a Big 12 title, but... Uh, It's certainly not the season that you expected through four games. That's for darn sure. Let me look at some of the comments right now on Facebook Live and Instagram. 
Baylor, Baylor deserves to be ranked. Yeah, I, I agree. Baylor's a top 25 team. Patrick, we love you down here in Waco, Pete. Hey, I, I love you guys in Waco, man. It's been a few years. I was at the, geez, 2017 home game against Texas where they got blown out. But the fans were awesome. The tailgate was great. Everybody was into it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm all about, you know, it was never personal. I just wanted to see it. That's it. Pete, what's going on with TCU? I thought they would um, resemble Clemson from years ago. I hope they can rebound. I mean, if you told me that TCU would score 34 points in this game against SMU and lose by eight, I would have said no way. No way. I just now, I mean, it's amazing. The last three, four years, three years that they've been mediocre, TCU's problem has been on offense. Now the offense is getting better and the defense is not holding up its end of the bargain. That's uh that's really surprising. Really, really surprising. What else do we have here on Facebook Live? All right, a lot of West Virginia, Oklahoma comments. We'll get to those here coming up. Uh, two, two, two. Kansas is a C-plus defense away from bowling. Eh, I think they need that offense to get a little better in well as well. I mean, the, the offense still, to me, has, has a ways to go. Jason, the Big 12 as of right now does not look like it will have a representative in the playoffs. Uh, OU is struggling. Iowa State never bought the hype. TCU doesn't look consistent. West Virginia's got a good win, but uh, no no offense against OU. I agree. There's not, right now, a playoff team in the Big 12. I I don't see one. I don't see one at all. Uh, there's no way that, that, that there's a big 12 team right now that you sit there and say, yeah, that's a playoff team in my mind. Now college football in general is chaotic this season. So anything can happen, but I'm having a hard time finding that team at this point in time. I mean, your best bets, or let's be honest, OU and Baylor, those are your best bets. Do you feel good about it though? I think each of those teams could lose a game or two, and then you'd have to win a rematch against somebody in a championship game. That's hard to do. You trust Texas to run the table? I, no, no. I think Texas is good, but no, they're not running the table. I agree. I don't see that team. All right, let's get to the night games now. Uh, Oklahoma State, Kansas State. You know, Kansas State's got itself a problem here. All right? Kansas State's got itself a problem. All off season, we heard about Will Howard and how much this coaching staff liked Will Howard and how much this dude was someone who was going to be, you know, the best backup quarterback in the Big 12 and the coaching staff was confident in him. He looked okay against Nevada, but that's Nevada. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a totally different beast now when you're getting in the conference play in the Big 12 and Will Howard did not look good. He went 4 at 12 for 50 yards and he had three carries for 28. Now, he got injured is what we believe that it is, right, in that game. So Jaron Lewis came in. He went 10-19 for 148 yards with one touchdown and one pick, but he was running for his life. I mean, you want to talk deer in the headlights, Jaron Lewis had it. And what's the old saying? When you have two quarterbacks, you really have none? That's absolutely what it was for the Kansas State Wildcats and what it is right now for the Kansas State Wildcats. And you've got to give... Oklahoma State credit, man. I mean, Mike Gundy just pulls a rabbit out of his hat. Now, I think Mike Gundy reads heartlandcollegesports.com. Genuinely. I mean, we had multiple pieces up on the website this week saying, you got to trust your young wide receivers. You got to trust your young wide receivers. And they did that in this game. Now, Tay Martin was back. That's a big deal. Brennan Presley, Rashad Owens, Blaine Green. 
uh, Braden Cassidy, all got in on the mix for Oklahoma State. And then Jalen Warren, the transfer from Utah, Utah State, if I'm getting that, if I'm remembering that right. Uh, but he was a JUCO guy. He's first year now in Stillwater, in Stillwater, and he is a guy who has come on big time. He had 200 plus rushing yards two weeks ago against Boise State. Then yesterday he goes out there and he absolutely lights up. I mean, this dude lit up Kansas State in a big way. You look at his numbers yesterday, 123 rushing yards, 81 receiving yards, another 200-plus total yard day, and he left right where he he picked up right where he left off uh, last week against Boise State. Very impressive performance by him, and I think in many ways he's a better option than Shuba Hart because he's he's a horse, man. He can run between the tackles in a way that Shuba Hubbard was more of a flash guy, get the edge, find the seam, hit it, and he's gone. He's like a track guy. Jalen Warren is like, you know, he'll grind you down between the tackles. I I really love watching that dude run the ball. And Oklahoma State came out swinging in the first quarter, three touchdowns in the first quarter for Oklahoma State. Second straight game, the Cowboys didn't score any points in the second half and won the game. I mean, this may turn out to be one of Mike Gundy's best coaching jobs, depending on how the rest of the season goes. Because, like, I just I don't think Spencer Sanders is very good. Like, yeah, I get it; he's got young receivers, but I just I I don't think that Spencer Sanders as a quarterback is a very good player. But here they are sitting at four and zero. They could easily be one in three right now. They get a good win over a Kansas State team that had looked really solid against teams like Stanford and, and Nevada last week, and they rolled them. I mean, it really was never all that close. The game was never in doubt after that first quarter, and the defense is outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Even with Trey Sterling out, and I was concerned that was going to be a big loss for him, but they got the job done. There's no doubt in my mind they got to the job done. Uh, so, you know, I've got concerns about Kansas State without Skylar Thompson in league play, just like last season. But boy, oh boy, I'm also very impressed with Mike Gundy. And I should have known that Mike Gundy was kind of going to have a week. You know, when the line came out, K-State was a nine-point underdog. And suckers like me were all over it. All over it. Meantime, Mike Gundy. When Mike Gundy's cracking jokes at press conferences during the week, I feel like that means that he feels good about things. And he knows something the rest of us don't. And he was talking about... Uh, you know, how they should cut beer prices in the stadium so the fans don't leave at halftime to get free beers at their tailgates. Like, he was on fire this week. And that, that should have been a hint to me that Mike Gundy knew something the rest of us didn't. So the Cowboys are 4-0 after beating Kansas State uh, comfortably last night, 31-20. to And then the nightcap, Oklahoma and West Virginia. The Sooners winning 16-13 to on a walk-off field goal. Oh, boy. I mean, if you're West Virginia, you're looking at this game and you're saying, what if, right? What if? A play here, a play there, a completion here, a completion there. You're beside yourself, especially since you've never beaten OU since you joined the Big 12. Uh, And that was your chance to do it last night. The defense did a great job. I mean, Oklahoma's got issues on offense. We'll get to that in a second. But this West Virginia defense which I, I, I still don't know if it's last year's defense, notably in the secondary, but it's a damn good defense. Once again, for Neil Brown and that staff, they have done a great job on that side of the ball. If they can get an offense to match it, they're really in good shape. But the receivers for West Virginia, I mean, Bryce Ford Whedon and Winston Wright, I mean, those guys were, uh, they played well. 
on Saturday night in Norman. They did. I always rag on the West Virginia receivers, but they played well in a tough spot against a good defense on Saturday night. It's just, you know, Jared Daigie's not a guy who's going to make that play that you need in a big spot to win you a game on the road, no matter how good your defense plays. But you're playing a top-five team on the road. Daigie didn't play bad, but he certainly didn't play well. And he certainly hasn't made the progress from 2019 to today that I would have expected based on how that last month went two seasons ago. But, you know, I just, I get it. If you're a West Virginia fan, it pains you. But I don't think you can sit there and be crushed by what you saw because this team left it all out in the line there for you. And I think there's a lot to be proud of based on how West Virginia played. I know it's not horseshoes and being close doesn't matter and doesn't count. I understand all that. And I'm not saying, oh, it's a... You know, feel-good loss. I, I, I understand you're there to win the game. But when you don't win the game, I think that's as good as you can feel about a team that did not win that game. Now, Oklahoma's got issues, though. They get issues on the offensive line. They've got issues in the running game. Spencer Rattler still is not always comfortable. It's not always his fault. But there are problems there for Oklahoma. Kennedy Brooks, what happened to the 2019 Kennedy Brooks? Dude had five carries for 17 yards. I mean, I don't know what happened to Kennedy Brooks, but they are. we knew that they were going to be light at running back, right? Because of dismissals and transfers and everything else. I thought the one-two punch of Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks would be plenty. It doesn't look like it is thus far. How much of that is them versus the offensive line is debatable. But OU ran for 57 yards last night. That's it. Two yards per carry. Oklahoma didn't have a rush longer than nine yards, and it was Spencer Rattler who had that nine-yard run. And Rattler still is, you know, on the move a lot, backpedaling, looking into tight windows that are just not there. And, I mean, he does not, certainly it doesn't look like a Heisman guy right now. And I don't know if that's the number one pick in the NFL draft guy. I'll tell you that. I don't, I'm not seeing it out of Spencer Rattler. Now, they're winning games. They're 4-0. They're still going to be in the top five. Understand all of that. But think about this, too. If Oklahoma didn't have this defense, they're probably, what, 2-2 two and two on the season? They're probably 2-2 two and two on the year. It's crazy to think, but they probably are. So uh, let's see here. Just a couple of questions I'll run down real quick. Do you think the Big 12 title game will each have two-plus losses in the conference? I think you'll have an 8-1 and team against a 7-2 and team in the Big 12 title game. That, that's my hunch. It could be two seven and two teams, though. Very much so, there, James. I, I think that's a, a great point, a good question. There's definitely not a playoff team I'm seeing right now, and I'll talk more about it on the podcast this week. But the the quarterbacks are just not looking good it, across the league. They're not looking good. Running backs look great. Three team race right now: OU, Oklahoma State, and Texas. That's from Kevin. I, Kevin, you got to put Baylor in there, man. You got to put Baylor in there. There's there's no doubt about it. You have to put Baylor in there. Uh, on Instagram Live, K-State fans are feeling some pain. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, you got two quarterbacks, you really got none. That's the problem right now. We appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be up on YouTube as well. Subscribe to the podcast. A lot more content coming there this week. And join our friends at mybookie.com. The promo code BIG12, BIG12, doubles your deposit, doubles your sign-up bonus at mybookie.com with our promo code BIG12. That is BIG12. So there you go, guys. Uh, And don't forget about 
rating and reviewing the podcast, send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo. That's M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. We appreciate you guys. Have a uh, great, great week. And we'll be talking to you soon on the podcast. Take care, guys. Enjoy the day.